Welcome to the Bloody Broads Pod. We're your Bloody Broads. I'm Bhavna Sharma. And I'm Jamie Howard. We are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. And this week, we are very lucky to have a very special guest, <laughs> Mr. Josh Rubin. Josh, welcome to the pod. Rut row, good to be here. <laughs> Not rut row. <laughs> Scooby-Doo in the gang. Well, for those that don't know, and I'll let him talk about himself a little bit as well, uh, Josh is a actor, writer, producer, filmmaker extraordinaire, uh, comedian. Is there anything else you want to add? I mean, I think that astrologist, astronomer, astronomer. Um, Astros player. Yeah, just to all the all the ass, uh, Astros. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that about covers it. Uh, multi hyphenate who is not not very not a master of all by any means. Very spread thin. Um, jack of all trades, master of none. Relatable. Uh, I I disagree. You are a master of uh, impressions. You can't I can do that. I can do like three now. I used to be able to do so many, but now it's just like Jason Bateman and Jeff Bridges and a hawk. You know? <laughs> Fair. Yeah. If people don't follow you on TikTok, they're missing out on quality impressions. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I feel like with, with TikTok, people will never be able to pin me down. You're just like, wow, he directs horror, but he also does like seagull noises and uh, post movie trailers. Great. What a weird, <laughs> what a strange career. It's hilarious that you mentioned that just before you go further into yourself. Um, pun intended, but, um, it's, so I had no idea up until about, I want to say a couple of months ago that you were even in the horror sphere, which is shame on me for being someone in the horror sphere. I love that though. Okay. What, keep going. What I did know you from is my, my friend, Lindsay, I was at her place one day and she was just like, look, can I take over YouTube for a second? I need to show you something hilarious. And I was like, all right, well, fine, whatever. She goes, it's a game show. And I'm like, Fine. Show me a game show. And then she put on Game Changer, the episode with you, uh, Zach and Brennan. Favorite. Doing, you know, all those animal impressions and whatnot. And I fucking died laughing. (laughs) I'm a ghost right now, if you can tell by this pale face. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) But so I had known you from that. Like, we'd watched an embarrassing uh, amount of hours of that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when you popped up on my Twitter feed, for a wounded fawn, I was like, mm-hmm. no, that's not the same Josh. Ru- no, no. Meanwhile, I was like, hey, there's this movie called Scare Me. <laughs> yeah. That you should watch. Uh, but yeah. We love a double take moment, don't we? Yes. yes. Yeah. We live, live yeah. for it. But uh, so the whole reason Josh is on the pod this week is, uh, well, he has two movies out right now, actually. But the one we're going to talk about today is one that I really resonated with called Blood Relatives. Uh, And Josh has a cameo, and he also was the producer. A great cameo. (laughs) Very, uh, very Rob Zombie Halloween take Mm -hmm. on Michael Myers and the uh, facility. It was was given those vibes. I have to tell Noah and the team that that was the first Rob Zombie Halloween reference uh, we've we've gotten in regards to Blood Relatives, or at least that for that moment. But <clears throat> thank was you. That that was that on purpose? So, so fun to do. Uh, I don't believe it was. I don't think. I think Noah has seen Paper Moon and Ganja and Hess, but I doubt he's ever oh. seen any of Rob Zombie's. Uh, yeah, work. We're big Ganja <laughs> and Hess stands, so yes. I have to talk to Noah about that. But yeah, I mean, what makes you want to produce a film like this? Like, what made you pick this one in particular, especially as an actor? Uh, 
Well, it sort of picked me. I mean, Noah was, uh, he was one of the test audience members for Werewolves Within for my last film. And I was like, holy crap, that's uh, Ryan Johnson's dude. He was in Looper and I loved him. He shows up in Star Wars and um, Dead Girl and all of these, you know, many, many (laughs) indies and hundreds of other films. And I just started picking his brain and he was like, uh, what else? have you done? He, he, he saw scare me and was super impressed. And he's like, you know, I have a pretty contained movie as well. Daddy daughter, like vampire story, uh, daddy daughter, Jewish vampire story. <laughs> I was going to say very Jewish, <laughs> very Jewish. <laughs> Love it. And then I said, I'm intrigued. And I read it and it had just so much heart. And, um, he said, you know, would you like to help me make this? Because I, I, I want to do the kind of do for me what you essentially did with Scare Me, which is, you know, the the, the triple threat thing, so to speak. Uh, you wrote it, you acted in it, produced it. I said, look, I'm not a paperwork producer by any means, but I'll connect you to, you know, Victoria Moroles, who could play your daughter. I just wrote to her on uh, Plan B that my friend Natalie directed. Um, yeah. I'll help you find some actors. I'll help you behind, you know, the monitor, that sort of thing. So it, it's sort of, it just kind of, what became a right fit. And then I, I just, I, it didn't quite feel right until I got there. I didn't quite sink in until I got to set and Taylor Texas were like, wow, I'm like the producer at the monitor with the coffee, like running his hands anxiously through his hair, like trying to like get things to, you know, to, uh, to into a good place just to kind of make our days. And, um, and it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience just to kind of, it was a lot of it was kind of oddly not teaching Noah, but guiding him just because I'd just gone through two movies back to back right yeah. with, you know, whatever, all the, all the bullshit. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You said to make your day. And I got like visceral flashbacks of like being on, on like a film set and being like, all right, guys, like we have to roll this now or we're going to lose Jamie or we're going to lose the other cast member, you know, whatever. But yeah. um, I just find yeah. it really interesting watching your trajectory because, you know, Bhavna and I both have acting backgrounds and I currently act and like doing it as someone who's acting and directing at once, like What's it like being on the other side of that, working with Noah, who's acting and directing at once? Because you did it for yourself. I mean, that's always really interesting to me. It's such a process. It really is. I mean, <clears throat> he he picked a, he picked an awesome team. Like uh, there, he was surrounded by a producerial effort that was overlooking the business stuff, the coordination, the you know, making sure people were fed. And I was kind of there filling the role of like a creative confidant and kind of a backseat co-director to a degree. So um, the process was like for it being a small movie, it was actually kind of a well-oiled machine in that yeah. regard. And so my, my role was like, <clears throat> for me, I was hyper aware of not missing any opportunity to make the image as compelling as possible. So I, I work actually with a lot with the DP. I like whisper in Andrew Baird's uh, uh, ear and he's such a, he's a brilliant DP, um, really, really impressed me on this gig. And I'd just say like, hey, what if you brought the camera a little bit, you know, down a bit further, it'd feel kind of Amblin-esque and Noah would just be down. Like Noah was very, very receptive and kind of open to it. His, I think his main concern was sort of being a, a great partner to Victoria, you know, in terms of the acting of it also. My process was, it was a lot of sort of visual aid stuff that Noah was sort of kind of letting Baird sort of do his thing. And then I'd go to Baird and I'd say, if you just push this a little bit further, uh, or if, you know, take the suggestion that might help <clears throat> kind of aid the character's perspective, that kind of thing, you know. Um, and uh, 
And in some cases, if I ever had an adjustment for an actor or I thought, ooh, there's just a comedic opportunity here for an actor, I would obviously run that by Noah privately if he wasn't too kind of taken by the stimuli of a crew and cast needing him for other reasons. Um, then, uh, you know, we just kind of, Noah would often catch it, but I, I, I would, I would usually make that adjustment, you know, to, to just say, Hey, you should ask them to try this if you're into it. And you go, Oh yeah. And he would throw out the suggestion. So that's the most important thing with any film set is that unless you're working in TV, I suppose that the direction is coming from, from one voice. I love that. Uh, well, now that we can get into the nitty gritty of the movie a little bit, uh, one of my favorite details in the movie that kind of became a through line, I realized, is the radio program that first the mechanic and then <laughs> the <laughs> front girl, you know, front desk girl at the motel are, are listening to. To me, it was very obvious that it's kind of a take on an Alex Jones type. And mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was on purpose or if it was a more general thing. And knowing that Noah is... Jewish and being exposed to the uncertainty and insanity that comes with that in 21st century America, mm -hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to me. Like, how did you guys source that? Like, was it pre-scripted? Did you get a voiceover actor? Because I was hollering the whole time. Every time I heard it, I was dying I'm laughing. I'm so glad you, uh, that's amazing. I'm so glad you called that out. Um, so talk, we were talking a little bit about improv when I first hopped mm -hmm. on the show. Um, Frank Garcia Hale is an actor that I've worked with a bunch in the past. I actually did a sketch group with him in New York. He used to teach at UCB. I was like, why does his classes. name sound so familiar? Yeah. yeah, he's like a real sketch comedy kind of um, uh, pillar and yeah. <clears throat> well-revered and, and, and respected. So funny. He's been on a bunch of TV shows and commercials and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, Frank had also worked with Noah on a segment of Scare Package, the first Scare Package, um, directed by Aaron Kuntz, and, um, or at least the wraparound was, and Noah, I believe, directed one of those episodes and had worked in some relation with Frank. Frank may have written that with Noah, read, read, written his segment. Um, so they'd known each other, and I'd known Frank as a comedian. We did improv together back in the day. So Noah, it was Noah's suggestion to say, hey, I think it would be really fun to have this kind of runner. Um, this radio runner throughout the film. And um, Frank would be great. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a no brainer. And so Frank, I believe Frank actually brought a lot of kind of, because he's such a brilliant writer, so many different kind of pitches for, you know, ridiculous uh, uh, character beats and such. And um, they all made it, you know, into the movie, like putting a cast iron skill in a dishwasher and stuff like that. <laughs> rad. Yeah. As a Southerner, that one, I was like, damn, he, he, he knows about that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I did like that last little bit of uh, him explaining the werewolf attack. You know, I think that's yeah. Bob. Now I do want you to yeah mention your stuff too. But I think that's like yeah. my one critique of the movie is that we didn't get to see the werewolf attack. That's I, it. Yeah. I was like, I want blood. I want gore. And then yeah. she just like leans her face out, and she's like, Ugh. I was like, she's yeah. got like a vampire facial at the med spa. She's just uh. fresh. Uh, that was a really interesting decision to me to keep it. This is almost a PG movie. Almost, yeah. yeah. I think Noah Noah really wanted to go that route, I think, because he's got two little kids. Mm. And he, I think mm. ultimately he was <clears throat> pretty pretty smart, but it was taking a swing, to be sure, in making kind of a family movie because that's that's what it is. But but through the lens of or through by way of near dark, like what an interesting kind of way to, to go. 
he ultimately very smartly made a film that I think young girls are going to canonize um, or that, you know, parents, especially perhaps dads could watch with their teenage kid, um, uh, whether, whether young girl or not. Um, and I think that was, I think that was sort of intentional simply because he, you know, when you have two kids at that, that kind of, mm-hmm. that sentiment, that energy is kinetic it takes over your life it informs your decisions and you know maybe you swear a little bit less maybe you know your, your sentiments kind of change and i think too is lockstep with the trajectory of it being about a cool guy who realizes he's got to be you know take the uncool step quote unquote yeah. of becoming a dad or like you know put the quote unquote cool guy coat up um you know on the coat rack i think it was it was for all intents and purposes intense intentional and then you're kind of coupling it with this um not punk rock, but with music like Screeching Weasel, and it kind of adds this mm. sort of uh, late '90s, early 2000s kind of nostalgic nature to it. Um, that is, to some of us, like super cool, but to other people, uncool, and to the neutral of us, like pretty. Oh, that's that's stylish. There's like a there's a nostalgia's kind of almost almost like soft, sweet, comforting style there. So yes, all very intentional. He knew he didn't want to go over with the vampire gore and by i think that um that device we've been able to stand out amidst all the other vampire stuff and more which is cool it gives an alternative to people who might want a little gateway to to the to the world yeah it was very much giving like alex turner of the arctic monkeys becomes yes. a dad which is yes i would pay a lot of money to watch that too I mean, same. Uh, it's like, a, yeah, a reality show, Bob, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know, Bhavna, you had a really good question about some of the production stuff because you're yeah. a little bit more into that side of things. Yes. So I know that a lot of it was shot day for night. Um, yeah. Like, what I want to know is how did that figure in and from your perspective as a producer, like what was involved not much was involved in, in <clears throat> from my perspective as a producer, other than that we knew uh, that we all know that night shoots can be rough. Um, and yeah. we didn't, there's only so much money, time and resources we have to um, run our kind of crew into the ground. We didn't want to, mm-hmm. we didn't want to do that even running into the weekend when you can give people proper rest and such. There's a certain look to day for night. And so yeah, just kind of producerially, you just kind of check in with, you know, our cinematographer and you make sure he and Noah are on the same page about, you know, Hey, stylistically, this is the way it's going to look. How is it going to look? Let's confirm that look. Are you sure you want to go with this kind of creep show esque thing or this really overstyled kind of look? Yes, I do. What's it going to take to make sure are we thinking about the color once yeah. we get into the DI when we're wrapped and that kind of thing. Um, so it was quite helpful. I was kind of, you know, in post it was the only, the only place we sort of had to find and balance, um, what was true night, <clears throat> so to speak, mm-hmm. and what was day for night, you know, mm. true night being conversations in actual dark, you know, outside the motel and such versus, uh, you know, yeah. um, the sort of full moon, the full moon look, which played later in the film. Um, it was pretty, it was a, a pretty uh, a, a bang on decision um, or commitment, I'd say, from Noah from pretty early on, just in terms of how I wanted it to look. And we're like, yeah, let's just embrace it. You know, it's quirky in its own way and yeah. you know, kind of nostalgic and evocative of those like late 70s sorts of films. That That's oh, exactly yeah. the vibe I got. Um, yeah. And I actually wanted to mention one thing I actually really, really liked about this film that puts it a- apart from a lot of other movies that uh, have some kind of 
Holocaust or World War II motif to it uh, in some way, shape, or form is normally I love show, don't tell, but I really, really loved tell, don't show just mm. for that in this. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, was that like um, like a focus or was that like a point that was made or something? Because it was just beautifully done. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I can only take so much, so much praise on really on behalf of Noah. But that that was all Noah. I mean, Noah is um, he's such a proud Jewish man, um, a fourth generation New Yorker, I believe, fifth generation New Yorker, um, and that was super important to him and to the mm-hmm. to the script, just in, imbuing it with with heritage, um, and also too, I'm sure there was a piece of it that was like. This will not only be my showcase as an actor, especially with that monologue or that telling, but it will also be my moment to proudly present who I am, who you are, where we're coming from with a, a bit of that, um, that necessary yeah. uh, exposition. Like it was just so beautifully done, like the, the tattoo glimpse in the, in yeah. the shower and then um hawking of the the watch you know and then that coupled with the monologue and the little stories here and there about his family mm-hmm. just yeah. like just yeah, what I, you needed because just what you needed i agree it, it it is it is it is it's really cool this is cool to be written up in like you know newspapers i believe like it was like an, an israeli publication and a couple of jewish publications that like especially caught on to that but also just in the, in the you know the mainstream media to be able to call that out and recognize that was really valuable and super meaningful especially to know him yeah uh, no, well that, that was i just had to point that out because yeah so well done it was oh, so well done you. Yeah, I'm I'm extra proud of it, especially in <clears throat> just seeing in recent weeks how anti-Semitism has just like become quite popular again thanks to certain you know former revered artists. So it it, it makes us all the more proud to dig our heels in and go like, yes, fuckers, like we just released this <laughs> yes. Jewish love story about this you know this family. Um, and you better enjoy it, and that should be getting the attention, far more attention than you know some dumbass's tweets. Amen. Agreed. Uh, I realize the uh, irony in me saying amen to that, but uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, oh we're god, gonna take a, yeah, we're going to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those free thoughts we uh, we put out there that we don't get paid for in no way, shape, or form. <laughs> Unless you join our Patreon. I did. Yeah, Josh. <laughs> Josh gets all our money. Secrets out. I know. It seems Secrets fair. Out. You know, again, just like a Caucasian late 30s <laughs> filmmaker, he should take all of the all bloody of broads proceeds just because i don't know just like i don't know just like exactly he just feels he's, he's entitled he's just I mean, robbing an indian yes robbing an indian canadian woman exactly like young just actress like working exactly exactly <laughs> and it's, it's just, it just just makes sense just i don't know i don't know in the context of I mean, I can anyway, check people. out She Said, starring Zoe Kazan and <laughs> <laughs> yes, check out that the all new Weinstein Junior. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list, we, but I haven't seen we, it yet. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other type of horror. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Horror's the inevitable, Jamie. <laughs> Amen. Oh, God. Yeah, Amen, so, so Josh, that's also a running... Uh, a running joke now that our listeners have pointed out that I re- I define horror as the inevitable, literally like at least once every other episode, mm. um, or I talk about the emotional gravity of something. 
But yeah. speaking of the emotional gravity of something, uh, there was this one line that I think really struck me. And it's when Francis is talking to Sylvie and Sylvie mm-hmm. says, I won't be around for either forever and neither will she, meaning his daughter. And like, wow, mm-hmm. like the emotional gravity of like realizing that your daughter is not only going to die, but she's guaranteed to die before you. I cannot imagine because I'm not a parent. Um, but, and I do want to talk about the second half of my thoughts on that, but yeah, like I kind of wanted to hear, you know, especially when it came to filming that scene, like, did that resonate for you the same way? Because that is, that's such a gut punch to me. Like someone that I love and care about is guaranteed to die before me. And it's not my grandparents, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful that you thank you for calling that out. And I'm glad that you that you are um, speaking of that scene specifically. Uh, because, you know, from from my standpoint, there was there's so much maybe I'm just like a, <clears throat> a dense brain reader. There's not a lot that quite sinks in. It's almost like when you've written something and then you go to a table read. So you're so close to something and then you go to a table read. And when you hear the words out loud, you see it in a different in a different way. Even when I was on set, I think just I was dealing with so many different things and there was such a juggle. I, I, the, the full effect of the movie didn't dawn on me, didn't um, vault my emotional disposition until I saw the rough cut for the first time with the music. And so I think the first time, like that scene in particular affected me. I think equally what affected me was, you know, I think it was in the end, it was like Vic talking about, uh, and I am going to die, right? And he yeah. said, yes, but we're but first we're going to be together for like a very, very, very long time. And it's like, oh, that's what gets me because it's like a father talking to a daughter. It's all the conversations I feel like we've had with a parent or a guardian at some point about like one day you'll die and one day I'll die. And it's, he's getting to have that conversation with his daughter for the first time. That was, that really affected me. Um, so again, it's like watching watching it the first time and then like privately, you know, when I was sort of giving notes and then after the sound pass and watching it again and, and each time I'd find myself like tearing up and I was like, oh, this is good. This is really, really, really good. And, and, it's, and it's in the same film where Doug Benson is picking his nose and <laughs> Hilda is punched into the wall. <laughs> with this nasty stunt and then and then and then um that's how you know you have something that that will sustain and then on top of that it's all character and all heart like hell yeah you know? yeah god doug benson being in this really threw me for a loop because i didn't <laughs> read, i read as little as possible about this before i yeah. saw it mm-hmm. and, and i know bobna does that too like we yeah. avoid trailers like whole nine yards and so he popped up and i was like Douglas, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> like, the hell? Mr. Benson, how could you? Yes, ma'am. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there was a second part of that. Uh, well, it was the same scene, second thought process, because there is um, a piece of wisdom and it comes from the Talmud. And if someone's listening and they're Jewish, it's going to be like an oh, duh moment. But to people who are not Jewish, they won't maybe not have heard this before, but it's one I'm of my favorite Jewish quotes. I'm Jewish and I definitely haven't, so I'm, I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> It says, you are not required to finish your work, yet neither are you permitted to desist from it. So you're not required to finish this labor, but you're not allowed to completely ignore it either. And I felt like that was the whole overarching theme of this whole movie. It's like, you are not allowed to ignore what's going on in the world right now, but 
Mm. You can't run away from your responsibilities mm-hmm. just because you're never going to see the end of them. And to me, like, mm-hmm. that's about parenthood as well as, is having this thing that's bigger than you, that's going to live on past you. And for those of us who are not having and cannot have like biological children, it's who are we mentoring? What are we putting out into the world? And that's mm-hmm. just so, it means a lot to me personally. And I think it'll resonate hopefully with people who see this movie because mm-hmm. to me, this was, yes, a funny vampire horror comedy that had a lot of dry humor, which is definitely our our taste. But Mm -hmm. that being the overarching theme is what we owe to each other when we can't guarantee that, you know, we'll be there at the end, I think was just so beautiful. beautiful. Um, I don't know. I don't have a question with that. I just felt it. (laughs) I feel like, I I I feel like, I feel like Sylvie's line as well, like really brought that home for me was when she was like, oh, you've had like 70 years to sow your oats. Like, yeah, it's time to <laughs> like, calm let's down. Go. Like, yes, yeah. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, and it, yeah, think- contextually, you're looking at Francis and he's like his his house is his bachelor pad is yeah. the back seat of a muscle car with newspaper on the windows. Right. And it's like you really want you. You, you don't want to shed this life to go take on responsibility. You'd rather continue sleeping in your shithole. Yeah. Like you don't want to go to Ikea and get blackout curtains instead of yeah. newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was going to be my other question. I'm so glad you brought up the muscle car because a, I love the scene where she, where she's saying, you know, there's only three registered in this colorway. And it wasn't that year. It was very much giving my cousin Vinny when she's mm-hmm. on the stand yeah. and she's reading off the tire t- tracks, but also, yeah. uh, I love that car, period. And I was like, where the hell did they get that? Because that is a sexy ass car. I was like, I want that. I love <laughs> yeah, a good right? Barracuda. No. Did you guys beautiful. just like source it? Oh no, that's Noah's. In fact, what? that was Noah's. What? That is Noah's actual Barracuda that I believe was handed down to him by his cinematography, a cinematographer mentor of his, a family friend who he's known for many years. Noah spoke, uh, I don't want to butcher his name. Noah spoke about him publicly. Um, he passed away some weeks ago, but it was oh. a hand-me-down. It was like a gift. So it's sort of what a family What a good family heirloom. friend. Yeah. Yes. And then look at, you look at the kind of the thematic cyclical nature of the, that being an heirloom handed to Noah. Noah makes that a, a character in his family, um, his family film. Uh, and and it being you know the house where this single uh, roaming vampire lives before encountering this you know th- this person that will change his life forever. Yeah, and it was also cool. uh, we covered. Um, oh my gosh, Bavna, the vampire movie we covered a couple of months ago with Tom Hiddleston that we made everybody watch. Only lovers left alive. Thank you. I knew I was going to oh. blank out on that. It was very much giving only lovers left alive because yes. Tom's character drives a significant portion of that film. Um, mm. I cannot believe I just blinked out on that after we made everyone in our friend group watch. It's okay. That. I was just about to yell, Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Dead don't uh, die. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm a Jim Jarmusch fangirl. But yeah, yeah. I think uh, in, overall, that was kind of my closing thoughts on theme. Bobna, did you have like a specific uh, favorite scene? Because we can't do favorite kills because there's only one or two. Actually, <laughs> yes. And it's with a character whose name I forgot. It was oh, outside that like, I don't know, homegrown 7-Eleven um, with oh. the werewolf friend. 
I just oh, love Terry. Terry, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I just Terry loved Rose. how subtle that was. And it was just yeah. very like, oh, I've got like a family thing. It's like, oh, it's a Tuesday <laughs> night. Yeah, we do it like once a month. And I'm like, oh my God. I know. And then they're walking off and scratching themselves under the full moon. You just kind of hear it. Did we add that shot? There was definitely, I can't remember. I believe there, I believe we did follow it up with that shot. So it was hard to see. But he definitely like just like rolled up his sleeve and it was just all hairy. Like the unibrow yeah. got me at first. And then, yeah. you know talking about the once a month thing i'm just like oh my god that was amazing like i just loved it i just loved it was it was akin to um uh what we do in the shadows the movie where you just didn't really have the werewolves in it so it was just that's right up there for me with werewolves not swearwolves yeah (laughs) actually i'm bummed by the way that they never made werewolves that's what the movie was supposed to be called what yeah oh god just say is that in production hell (laughs) I, yeah, I, I think it just whatever stalled because Taika skyrocketed, but it would have been Reese Darby and Taika. Uh, oh, anyway. Yeah, well, that's actually one of the movies that I I was trying to sell this to a group of friends who don't necessarily do horror, and I was like, hey, there's not mm-hmm. any like gore. There's very minimal gore in this, you know. Yeah, and I said that it was uh, if what we do in the shadows went to Temple, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. And so I wanted to ask, like, if you could tell people, like, the three movies they should watch before they watch this one, what would they be? Paper Moon, Ganja, and Hess, and Near Dark. Yes. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's like three Perfect. of our favorites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything else that we didn't get to ask you yet, Josh? Because we are saving a little bit for the Patreon. Spoiler to people listening who are not Patreon members. We do have yes. a Q&A. Very 15, quick one, but... uh. Anything you want to release? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just going to spill all my secrets for the Patreon. So sorry, folks. You, you get what you get. <laughs> Listen, well, he gets a 25% cut of that too. That's so. right. I mean, Make just it like rain. in terms of like my taking, like what I'm entitled to as a man. Like, I don't know. Listen, we only give money to cis white men on this pod. You guys know that. I know. I know. I know. Like, I don't want to be like overt, but like, that's just the way. I don't know. That's just like what I want. That's just Can't wait I want to for see. Christmas. <laughs> Cannot wait to see our reviews after this one. I know, Uh, I know. Guys, he was joking. I just get canceled. It's all good. Whatever. It's fine. fine. I've had had a good run. Listen, just watch Game Changer. You'll figure it out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He's he's a a goofy boy. Yeah. He's a silly, goofy goober. Um, Can we get you to plug the hell out of yourself right now to the general public? Where would you like to be found? Uh, Well... Y'all can find me at joshesmindhouse.com. Who cares about social needs when you could just go to an old-fashioned website and just see, I don't know, a Werewolves Within poster, uh, the South Korean version. Um, You can see what work I've done as a producer, as a director, maybe a little acting reel, maybe some news, maybe a T-shirt, a sticker, um, a postcard, a scare me limited edition uh, script. If you want a Christmas idea, I, I don't Ooh. know. Josh'smighthouse.com. Check it out. It's a destination site. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> Enjoy. We love this. Yeah. It's not about the love. journey, it's about the destination. Yeah, oh. that's right. Being Josh'smighthouse.com. <laughs> so, in case you didn't hear it the first couple times, you guys, it's joshesmindhouse.com you can find Bhavna at the lucky charms underscore on Twitter or is that your Instagram? That's Instagram because Instagram's fancy like that. You know one day I'm going to get that right. 
Um, I am at Glitter Burrito on Twitter. We are at Bloody Broads Pod on all social media. You can email us, call us, beep us if you want to reach us. And Bhavna, if they did not like this episode, where can they leave it? In a star-studded five-star review. And maybe we'll read it live. Mm, Maybe. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.